bearing them up lest they were to even dash their foot against a stone. And no sickness or plague comes near their dwelling place. Keep them safe as they go to work every single day. Guard and protect them. God, for each and every family, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed to redeem them, to wash them, to cleanse them, to heal their bodies, to make them whole. I thank you that even right now, Lord, as each and every one watching has worshipped you, that the anointing of God would fill those homes, would fill those living rooms. That anointing that brings deliverance, that anointing that heals the brokenhearted, that anointing that really brings a wholeness to our life. I thank you for the anointing to heal. For anyone who is suffering from this coronavirus, we declare healing on the basis of the blood of Jesus. But we also know there's people with regular flu symptoms, with allergies, with heart problems, with arthritis. We thank you for the anointing filling those homes to bring healing for those who are dealing with diagnosis of cancer and lumps and bumps and tumors. We command those things to wither and die. We thank you for the power of the blood and not because of anything we've done, but the blood that you shed. Your word says you took our infirmities and you bore our sicknesses and that by your stripes we were healed. And if we were healed when you took those stripes upon your back, we declare and speak healing of all manner of sickness and disease. And we declare by that anointing a healing and a cure. We thank you, Lord, for utterance to speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give each and every hearer ears to hear what you are saying to them. That we allow the Spirit of God to strengthen us, to give us wisdom and revelation, to draw us in nearer and nearer to you at this time and this hour. And we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the honor. We'll give you all the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? We want to welcome you to Online Church at New Creation Church. We're so glad that you're with us today. This is our third week of Online Church, and uh, really, we're just having a good time. We wish that you all were here, but thank God for technology that we can be together by this streaming video. So get your coffee, get your Bible, get your pen and your paper out, because uh, I believe God wants to speak to us today, wherever you you are. And so you might be in your pajamas. You know, I listened to one person say today that one of the best ways to get over this is to really, uh, he said he was down in his basement live streaming, but he got up, he put on his coat and his tie in the morning. He said the best way to get moving forward is to act like you're going to work. And so he just got ready to go to work, went down into his basement. So you know what? The best thing to do to get this thing moving is to just say, you know what? I'm going to get ready for church on Sunday morning. And so you might be there in your pajamas, but you also might want to just act like you got ready for church. You're sitting there and uh, ready to take notes. Praise the Lord. And so we're just really uh, glad about what God has done for us. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you were with us this week for Take 10, it was so awesome. And and the staff and the leaders uh, and really everyone who joined us on Facebook Live from noon until 
10 after. Or what we did learn is it's really take as however long you need. And so if you have to quit after 10 minutes, fine. But uh, some, some of the prayer times have gone just a little bit longer. But I believe they're effective. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman makes much power available, dynamic in its working. And so uh, join us for take 10. Uh, as as uh, Jonathan was saying and the announcements were saying, go on your app. Uh, go on to that online church tile, check in with us, but also check the things that are there and uh, get involved in helping hands, uh, get involved in adopt a senior if you haven't already. And uh, we can really make some hay in this time, really, so to speak. And so uh, just want to really encourage you in these times that where, where there seems to be an uncertainty and really, even this week for us in Colorado, uh, we went to a, a being at home situation. And so it seems like every week in the last three weeks, things have been changing. And so there's uncertainty, there, there's doubt. If you're not ready, fear may come in. But I want to talk today about those things that are certain. And so if you'll open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we began to talk about this Last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so we really began to talk about these three things are still abide. You know, the Bible tells us that with all the uncertainty that is around us, we know this one thing that God never changes. Malachi chapter 3 says, I am the Lord God, I never change. I love that song that says he's good. He's such a good God and he's always been good and he always will be good. Some people would say, you know, uh, how does he get any better? That, that song just says he keeps getting better every day and God is God, he's big. But you know, I heard one person say uh, one time when they were studying about Revelation, the angels who go around the throne and, and, and they cry, holy, holy, holy. He said, they said this, that God gave them a, a, a vision that they went around the whole throne and God is so big that the angels, even who have been doing it for eternity, went around and they saw another facet of God that they had not seen before, and they said, holy. There's another aspect of God that's holy. You know, we understand the goodness of God and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever as Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we walk with him, and we obey his commands, and we just have fellowship. And as Alan said, that intimacy with him, we start seeing another aspect of God peel back or unfold that we didn't see before. And so it's not that God gets better, but we start seeing different facets and we're like, this, just, this walk with God just keeps getting better and better. To know God's goodness intimately and personally on my behalf and to see him work through me and show his goodness to others just keeps getting better. And that's what we want to experience with this God because he's not changing. God didn't change with the coronavirus. God didn't change with the circumstance of life. He's ever the same. And so these important characteristics of our life with him, faith, hope, and love, they should be growing. Our faith in him can grow stronger and stronger because we know that he doesn't change. Our hope can increase more and more because we know he's the God of hope. Wherever we are, that he's ready to bring us out into another place, that the thoughts that he has for us are of good and not evil. They are of a, for a future and a desired outcome. 
We talked about faith last week. I just want to encourage you. There's that building of our faith, making sure what you're thinking about, watching what you're saying, watching your heart. But you know, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, the 13th verse, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they went on to say, some say Elijah, some say, uh, you know, Moses. Uh, And then he stopped and he said, but who do you say that I am? See, it's real important that we understand in our faith to know really who Jesus is to us. And Peter piped up and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to him and he said, listen, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He said, right now your name will not be called uh, Simon, but Peter changed his name as a piece of the rock because he'd had that revelation. But he said to him, he said, Peter, upon this rock, upon this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're talking about building our faith. The one thing that you want to stand firm on, and if you're watching today and you don't know this, I believe that there'll be a revelation come to your mind that Jesus is the Christ. That our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior is the number one place that we start with our faith. And once we understand and have believed on him and made him Lord of our life, then we begin to expand out from there. That he's the Lord of our healing. He's the Lord of our finances. He's the Lord of our emotions. He's the Lord of all that we do. We've made him Lord. And in that, he's provided everything that we need for life and godliness. So our faith is to be in him, not just in things and not just maintaining, but our faith in him causes us to be strong and to grow. Last Sunday night, Pastor Tasha, she shared on hope. And boy, I'll tell you, at this time, when we start to hear everything that's going on and how it's going to get worse and worse, we need hope. And God is the God of all hope. And that hope is a confident, favorable expectation. And when we begin to get into the Word of God, and we begin to fellowship with God, when we begin to get into our place of prayer and praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden we're strengthened on the inside, and hope arises. What is that hope? It's a confident expectation that we're going to come out of this. And if we're spending time with God, we're actually going to come out, I believe, better than we went in. We're going to have spent time with our families. We're going to spend time with God. We're going to spend time fellowshipping and studying and meditating upon the word where otherwise we might have been distracted and we're going to come out better. I love what she said. She used that scripture that hope is an anchor to our soul. And she told the story about when we were on vacation and an adrift boat hooked its anchor with our anchor and it began to pull us off. I'm just telling you with all the news that you hear and everything that comes your way, let your hope in God be your anchor. Don't let something that is adrift hook onto you and take you off course, but let the word of God be an anchor to your soul, that hope that God has. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about love. Love is the most powerful force in all of the universe. When we begin to think about the things that are going on today, and we begin to rest our heart in the fact that Jesus opened up a place where we could have fellowship with God. 
We could not only learn of, but enjoy intimacy with God. We could enjoy a loving relationship with the one that the word of God says his very core character is love. It's love that created this earth. It's love that created the man to occupy this earth and to fellowship with God and to take dominion. When man fell away from God, fell out of love with God himself, God still loved man so much that he sent Jesus. And it was love that sent Jesus, and it was love that raised Jesus from the dead to create salvation for us. And I personally believe that no greater power has ever been released in all of the universe than the power that brought Jesus forth and raised him from the dead. And that same power lives on the inside of you and me because it was love that raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart and in my heart by the Holy Spirit of God. In 1 John, the fourth chapter, starting with the 15th verse, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, there's our faith, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Just want to say that again. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, there's something about this. We, we could go back for a moment to Philippians chapter 4. I don't want to confuse you, but just to make a point, you go back to Philippians chapter 4, and it says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So, well, why would God tell me not to be anxious and fearful? And here it says, you know, don't fear. There's no fear in love, but I'm, I'm fearful. But really what God is saying to us is he's saying, I do not want anxiety to govern your life. I don't want fear to govern your life. I have a different plan. And that plan is not for fear or stress or anxiety to govern the course of your life, to intimidate your thought life. But I have given a better way. And that is love and peace and joy. And so I want to talk to you about this love that we have in, in three directions. All right, and we'll get moving here. I want to talk about love in three directions. And the first one, the first direction is God's love for us. God's love for us. In 1 John, which, you know what, if you want to just really expound upon this this week and meditate on this, just read 1 John. The letter that John wrote, this epistle, is really so much about love, the love of God, and how we translate the love of God and we move in the love of God. But it seems that he knew the love of God as much as anyone did. We know God's love for us, and we know that he loved us that much. It says that we love him because he first loved us. And sometimes we say, well, I know God loves us, but there's an intensity to God's love. Scripture that you all probably know or have heard or at least seen posted at a football game, John chapter 3 and verse 16 
It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So we sometimes just think about that and wonder about the love of God. But if you read on there, it just really says this, that because sin came into the world, the world was already condemned. And Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world from the condemnation that already came through sin. And he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you you and release you from the condemnation that comes from sin. Ephesians, the second chapter, the fourth verse from the New Living Translation, it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I want to pause right there. The Amplified Bible says it like this, but God who is rich in mercy in order to satisfy his wonderful and intense love for us. Listen, we talk about knowing God's love for us. It's not a casual love. It's not a human love. It's not dictated on what we do. It is who he is. And even when we were away from him, even through mistakes that we made, in order to satisfy his love for us, which is so wonderful and it's so intense, Man, I just want to know the love of Christ to a deeper level. I want to know the intensity of his love for me and the power that that releases in us. He goes on to say this. He said, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he not only saved you, he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. The writer there, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, listen, I want you to know this intense love of Christ that not only saved you, but raised you up and seated you in a place of authority with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So listen, the first direction that we want to experience love is we want to experience God's love for us. When I say that, I don't want to just say, you know what, I know God loves, but I want us to concentrate as we go through the upcoming weeks with all that's going on and with all the questions that will try to come to our mind and that normal question which really like, if God loves us, then why? But instead of if God does, if we look at the word of God, it's not if God does, but since 
God loves us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Since God loves us, not only did he just send Jesus that our sins might be forgiven, but he gave us a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that we are sons and daughters of God. We're not adopted in the sense that we would think, well, God just went out there and adopted us. But no, that word in the Greek says that he brought us near and he put his life in us. We were born of God. And since we're born of God, then we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't just save us and forgive us, but he lifted us up and he made us to be his children, his sons and his daughters. And John said, stop for a minute. You got to stop for a minute. If you're going to walk in the very life of God and the power of God and the authority that God gives you, you're going to have to stop for a minute and realize experientially how much God loves you. And that fear of failure, that fear of what might happen tomorrow, that fear of other people, the fear of what other people might think, it starts to go away when you start to experience how much God loves you. It's intense to know that we were dead, we were away from God. Sometimes we didn't even care, but his intense love was to still save our life. And if he would send Jesus, Romans 8 says, if he would send Jesus to die for us, to save us from our sin, to make us sons and daughters, why do we think now that he would let something terrible go on. It says that if he would give Jesus, how would he not with him freely give us all things? And in that expression, he says, since God is for you, then who could successfully be against you? Paul goes on to talk about all the things that could happen in the world. I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it. We've talked about it before, about all the things that could happen in the world. But he says, no matter what happens in the world, life or death, famine, peril, nakedness, sword, Whatever it is, principalities, powers, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. As we begin to go through all the changing around and the coronavirus and the news that comes with us, when we realize the love of God towards us, we can take a firm stand and say, none of this will ever separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. The second way direction that we want to look at love is our love for him our love for him so often when we think about the love of God we get into these kind of conversations if God loves people then why is this happening if God loves people then why would he send them to hell but really we're asking the wrong question because we just saw that God already showed his love for us the question now is do I love God? And as we question whether or not we love God, we have to start evaluating our life. How do we determine whether God loves us or not? I'm just going to kind of put this on a, uh, on a regular level. Well, if God loved me, he would talk to me. If God loved me, he would do this for me. If God loved me, he would give me attention, right? If God lived, loved me, he would take care of situations for my life. If God loved me, then he would, right? But do we put that same requirement upon us, loving God? So often we just say, well, I love God and I go to church. But if we love God, do we give God the attention that we wish that he would give us? Do we give God the time that we wish God would give us? Do we listen to God 
as much as we want God to listen to us, we can see through the word of God that God has given himself for us. God even says, listen, if you'll pray according to my will, I'll listen to you. I hear you when you pray. Do we open our ears and hear God? Do we take time to listen to God when he speaks? Listen, the power of this love is in the exchange, not just that God loved us, but that we love him. And it creates a great intimate exchange for us in our love for him. So listen to this, the 63rd Psalm. Turn over there with me. I just believe this situation. David, you want to understand the situation that David is in? Uh, he's really being chased down. He's, he's in a, a barren place at this time. He's, he's in the middle of a bad situation. And, and, and his life is in danger. And he could be complaining. But listen to this, the 63rd Psalm. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Man, I'll tell you what. David was passionate about God. He was in a bad situation, but he said, listen, I mean, how many times have we thought about our love for God and we said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. You know, we might have said that about a girl or a guy when we were dating. Man, I just, I can't stop thinking about you. Oh man, I just want to be with you. I just want to hold you. Right? We might say that about that, but how often have we said that, articulated that, like the psalmist did? God, I love you so much that my mind can't get off of you. I desire to be with you. See, he looked and he knew God loved him, but he expressed how much he loved God. And it was powerful, and he knew that God was his deliverer. In John, the 14th chapter, in the 15th verse, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Sometimes we get to that point of like, I got to do all this stuff to prove my love for Jesus. But he's not really saying that here. He's not saying if you do all this, then you'll prove your love for me. No, he's saying that when you love me, faith begins to arise. You trust me and you trust me with your life. And so the direction that I give you for my life shows how much you trust and love me and know that I am there for you because I love you. And he says, and when you decide to step out in this love for me, to walk with me, doing the things that I would do with you, I will give you help to do them. In Matthew chapter 22, Verse 37, verse 38, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 
Another translation said, with all of your strength, or other verses. He said, this is the first and great command. He says just what David had said right there. He said, listen, with all your heart, with all your soul, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs with you, all my strength, all my body. We begin to say, when we think about, does God love me? Does God give me my attention? Does he give me his devotion? We begin to look at our life and we begin to say, God, I love you. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my devotion. I'm going to give you my conversation. I'm going to seek to please you with my life because I love you. And we begin to enter into this relationship that John talks about in 1 John, that we love him because he first loved us. Divine love exchange that gets us into the place where the most powerful force in the universe begins to govern our life, and that is the righteousness, a right relationship with God. And a right relationship isn't really one-sided where God loves you, but you don't know. A right relationship means God loves me and I love God with all that I am. Now, we're really moving in righteousness. And the last thing I want to share with you is our love for others. I believe in this time that we're in right now, first of all, that perfect love of God casts out all fear because fear has torment. And when we look at that, that... where we are right now, to know that God loves us and to have that fear leave our, our lives is so important for today. And to know that we love God, and because we love God and we're walking in His ways and His precepts, that no sickness, no plague can come upon us, and that that relationship we have with God just continues to give us insight and, and move forward. It's, it causes us to see, you know what, every day keeps getting better and better and better with Him. The world might be saying every day gets worse and worse, But when we're walking with him every day can be better in the midst of a bad circumstance. But we'll really make a difference because we know God. God knows us. We love God. God loves us. The real manifestation of that is when we began to express this love for others. The next part of Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, it says in the second, speaking of the two greatest commandments, the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said, do my commandments, he was really talking about loving other people. He said, I command you not only just to walk in love, but to love other people. Now is a great time where we're at with all the news to really extend ourselves. You say, I can't extend myself. I'm I'm under house order. We got to stay at home. But I'm just telling you, you can stay at home. But it also says you can go out of your house if you're going to help the elderly, if you're going to help someone in need. You can get involved in an essential organization and help. But listen, with, with the technology we have, you can begin to communicate with people and watch. And if somebody has need, somebody's struggling, somebody's dealing with fear, you can communicate with them and show them the love of Christ. Understanding that this love is really the distinguishing factor for us as sons and daughters of God. John the 13th chapter, the 35th verse, Jesus said this, by this they will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Listen, that love that we have for one another, just think about it for just a moment. We'll just take 
A few minutes, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 explains the love of God. It says love is patient. I'm just going to tell you right now at this time, it's going to take some patience. It's going to know the love of Christ, knowing that you love him, knowing that you love your children. Love is patient. The love that you show towards your spouse, it'll be time to be patient. We're not used to maybe being together as much as we are and Things may, the enemy may try to come in, but we're going to be patient with one another. We're going to be kind. Love is kind. First place of ministry is right there in your house to be patient with your children, to be patient with your spouse, to be kind with them. And then it begins to expand from your home to your neighbors, to places that you can help. Goes on to say some things that love doesn't do, but it says that love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That that love of God in us really puts a strength to our faith. And that strength to our faith, we share with others. We share what we believe with others. Why? Because we love them. We don't want to get in the conversation that woe is us. But when somebody comes in and they're fearful and they don't know what's going to happen next, they may talk to you on the phone or, or through social media. It's not a good time to just feed that, but it's a good time to say, you know what? I, I love you. I'm going to share with you what I believe. Now is as good a time as any to tell somebody about Jesus and what he's done for them. Why would you do that? Because you love them. And if something was to happen today and they were to be captivated by the virus, where would they go? You can share Jesus with them. Love hopes all things. Our love for people continually brings that hope that we talked about, that expectation that this too will pass and will come out the other side. And you know what? If we spend time allowing the love of God to saturate us, loving God back and loving people, we're going to move out of this in better condition than we went in. In 1 John, the third chapter, and the 14th verse, says that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart for him, from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Right now is the time to examine our heart and say, God loved me so much he gave to me. I'm expressing that love back to God. God supplies my need. How can I reach out and touch somebody else's life? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let, us, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Right now is a good time. Doesn't mean we, we forsake everything about us, but we can look out for our interests, but we can also look out for the interests of others. I've been so blessed this week to look and to see different things on helping hands. I've been blessed to, to hear that you all 
from New Creation Church have signed up to adopt a senior. I was talking to Jerry the other day, and he put out on Facebook if anybody needs help, and they contacted him back. I, I, I ran into him, talked to him on his way to deliver some food and some sanitizer to somebody who had notified him that needed help, and he went out and he helped them. You know, I was watching uh, uh, Facebook Live, and uh, Don and Rachel Rebel, they put on a game that they were playing. They, they taught everybody to play a game. You say, well, what is that? Listen, we're all locked in, and instead of getting in strife, just to be able to enjoy and to play games. And so they just thought, you know what? We'll put this out here and teach people how to play that game. You're not just thinking about yourself. We're playing this game. You're thinking, this is fun. I bet other people want to have fun. There's different ways to reach out and to show your love and be interested in what other people might be doing and how you might help them. You might think, well, that's not a big deal to learn to play that game, but it might be. Somebody might have learned it and sat all night and just fellowship with their family and laughed and had a great time. It can be so simple. To share words of encouragement, I, I am so blessed. I think, think this, you know, I, I'm not really big into social media a lot of the times because of the negativity, but at least in my spectrum of social media, there's been nothing but positive words and encouragement and things going on. And so I thank you for doing that. I thank you for encouraging your friends and encouraging people that are on there. This is all part of what we're doing to love others. And so I want to thank you. I do want to say this one thing. I, I, I got this message that, you know, in Rifle, Brickhouse Pizza is if you buy a meal from them, a takeout meal from them, they will take the proceeds of that meal and they will put it to feed someone in need, make a meal for someone in need or for the elderly. So if you say, well, I don't even know what I could do. Well, you could go get dinner at Brickhouse. There may be other people doing that, but you could get a dinner at Brickhouse. And then what that would do is help feed someone else. So if you just look around, there's something that you can do to help others. And it's so important right now that we take that time to do that, right? You say, well, wait a minute, we're just, we're just at home. We're supposed to stay at home. Come on, just look for ways that you can reach out to others. You can minister to your kids, you can minister to your family, but you can begin to minister. Go ahead and look around. Uh, you might just go next door neighbors or, or know somebody in your your neighborhood, some elderly in your neighborhood, and you can just knock on the door. You don't have to get close and just say, if there's anything that you need, I, I can help you. I can pick stuff up. We may come into spring. Maybe it's just a matter of that you can help clean up some people's yards, some senior yard, seniors' yards. Let's just really allow the love of God. These three, th three things abide, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I want to read for you this prayer from Ephesians in closing that Paul prayed. And I just believe it's just going to take hold of each and every one of us. Paul prayed this. He said that, speaking of God, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I pray that through the love of God in this time that looks so tragic that really it'll be such a blessing time that we'll start to know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of of all that God is. It says, now to him who is able, he's able to do exceeding 
abundantly above what we could ask, hope, dream, or think according to the power that works within us. We may think this is going to go a long time, but God may make it make a a short time. We may think we will not be able to grow, and he'll grow us. We may just be thinking limitedly, but God, through his love and our confidence in him, wants to grow us in such a way. We may think, I couldn't do that for someone else, and watch as you experience the love of God, what you do for someone else. As we close today, if you're watching us, maybe you've been a far, far away in your Christian walker, you've never known the love of Christ. I want to invite you today to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ that you might know this wonderful and intense love That in knowing it, you'll love him in return and get to know this dynamic relationship that God designed from the beginning. And through that relationship and the strength of that relationship, you'll be able to love people like you never have before. If that's you, I just ask you to bow your head to pray this with me. Say, oh, Father God, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sake and that he's risen from the dead. Lord, I receive your word and I repent of my sins. I renounce my past. I ask you to come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I receive forgiveness. I receive the new birth. I believe that I'm cleansed and washed in your word and by your precious blood. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer with us, that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you did that for the first time, if you'd go on to that online church tile, just let us know that you received Jesus Christ this week. And we want to get you some material that will help you grow in God and and, and know how to start this relationship with him. So great to be with you. I can't wait till the day that we all get to be together in this room again. Why don't you say this as we go? What God did in Christ Jesus Jesus. far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall.